Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics. Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom, and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. My next guest is rock star shaman. Alison Charles. Alison is a motivational speaker and an author. Most recently, she's written a book called Animal Power. This is all about the medicine that different animals have to offer us when we reach out to them, when we connect to them. Um, she's working with that beautiful shamanic system of interconnectivity, something that she refers to later in this talk as Earth School. Um, I'm enamored of her and her practice, and I can't wait to share her with you. Welcome, Alison. Well, welcome. I have looked at your book, uh, Animal Power, and I think it's so wonderful. Congratulations. Thank it's you so much. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful mm. drawings and beautiful um, guided notes on how to work with different animals. I mean, this is a book after my own heart. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely uh, magical. So I want to talk about the book, but let's get some orientation first. I know you've been on a, on a big ride and that you used to be an athlete and a TV personality and a host and and now you're a rock star shaman and you're motivating people all over the globe and talking to animals and like how did this all happen um tell me about the sort of the you know the background to this and your your awakenings hmm. oh my goodness yeah this is always the interesting part uh <laughs> trying to whittle down uh, how I landed here. But um, essentially, the most concise explanation that I can give is that while I was incarnated with this shamanic calling and mission, uh, very much encoded inside of me, I was really staunchly resisting that truth and resisting pivoting over into getting into alignment with that path. And so in that resistance, I was in a very long-term uh, romantic relationship over 16 years where it was, you know, of course, everything is divinely perfect and I wouldn't change anything and I've learned so much, but that path was shrouded in just so much anguish and dysfunction and toxicity and at times varying levels of abuse and a lot of denial and a lot of codependency on my end. And I can- so I'm just going to slow you down a, a second just to, to get again, even more bearings on this. So you were working in the media and you were having a relationship that was, uh, what do we say? The opposite of nourishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, I mean, 
before I was working in media, we were both college athletes. And so that was a previous identity that was very much entrenched in me was, you know, national champion athlete. And there's a lot of layers to unpack there. But once my body started to break down, yes, then I, I started to pivot over to the world of media. And I was a radio host and a TV talk show host. And it was during my time in television that all of uh, the awakening processes started to come into more full effect. Yes. Mm, and what were the awakening processes? Well, it was uh, getting to what I was explaining about how <laughs> I had been denying these truths and this calling inside of me for so long. And I was at times looking to that relationship, of course, at that time in an unconscious way as a vehicle of distracting, distracting myself from facing the truth of the relationship, distracting myself from facing the truth of myself and my earth mission, distracting myself from anything that is of divine. It, I was totally in illusion and denial. And so because I was very dedicated to that way and letting myself be in that cycle of insanity, my awakening came from a divine intervention because I was not uh, a very willing participant in listening to all the signs that all of my guides were trying to send my way. I was just, you know, I would notice I was uh, on anti-anxiety medication and having severe panic attacks and just not do deeper exploration. I would notice that my I was having severe autoimmune disorders in my body and be like, huh, that's weird. I'm uh, in the wellness industry and I'm, you know, used to be a personal trainer and used to be a division one college coach. And I think that I'm very healthy and well, but I'm not, but I didn't do deeper exploration. So it culminated to a one day, a one moment in time where my guides had to come in and turn on my clear audience gift. And uh, that started the next domino process of me changing the course of my life through their, through their help. <laughs> Okay, so Claire, Claire, audient meaning you you channel messages uh, through you hear messages here. Yes, exactly. Mm, yes, mm. I could hear spirit speak to me um, on this day where I had my awakening moment take place. Uh, I was hearing instructions in my right ear, and it was through me following those instructions that I saw finally saw the proof of uh, you know facing my greatest fears essentially as to what was going on in the relationship, and in facing that. Uh, I then opened myself up over the next week to facing myself and taking responsibility for my role and allowing myself to be in that kind of dynamic for so long and, you know, really asking myself, you know, why for almost 20 years, for nearly two decades, were you allowing yourself to be treated this way? Why were you allowing your body to be dishonored? every time you're physical with this person. So in me finally facing um, those aspects, I realized I had a lot of work to do. So I just set out on a quest to heal myself. And that's, that's the process that took me to the understanding of who I really am, was just committing to healing myself. I do think this is the, the spiritual function of dysfunctional relationships. Nothing will kick our ass like a bad relationship. Nothing yeah. will force us into our our shadows and the, the the darkest corners of our being. I mean, I've been there. So, mm. um, yeah, I think it's a really, it can be a really important part of, of waking up. And I feel like um, some of what you're, you're talking about is also codependency, which is, I feel, a sort of a massive 
issue uh, amongst <laughs> amongst humans. Of course, we're we're wired to to be you know in connection and look for connection, and and uh, we're mirrors to each other. So it's very easy to get lost in that and um, all of the kind of externalizations, you know, of of, of relationship um, and not sit with our own difficult feelings so so hooray for this this journey and and how and how did the animals come into this journey Mm, yeah they came in right away actually so once I had this veil lifting dropped to my knees simultaneously miraculous uh moment uh of you know finally getting out of denial and waking up then I became, like I said, in devotion to my healing. And I finally got myself into a place of being willing to have a conscious awareness of the messages and the signs coming in instead of like letting them come in, but then just ignoring. I decided, okay, I'm going to let them come in and I'm going to heed every single one of them. And two of the first messages that came in, um, I somehow was pointed to a shaman uh, in Minnesota. She's a medical doctor turned shaman, Sarah Seidelman. She's amazing. And I, I, I even interviewed her on my podcast, Ceremony Circle, not too long ago. And neither one of us can recall, because that was over a decade ago, how universe connected us, but that was a really paramount session. And then I was also guided to having a shamanic healing session with my aunt. And it was in that soul retrieval healing session that my animal allies started to come forward. So my core power animal is the black panther. And then I had three supporter animal allies, the bear, frog, and deer, who all came in to help me. And that (laughs) very catalytic, um, you know, scary, but beautiful time in my life. And so, as I'm sure you know, but maybe some of your listeners don't know, each power animal has different healing attributes and wisdom teachings and and medicines that they come forward to empower us with, but it's up to us to, you know, open up that dynamic and to really uh, receive their, their help in. And so they came in actually right, right after I woke up. And I've been working with them, you know, every day since. Okay. So, um, yeah, for the people who, who are unfamiliar with the idea of, of a power animal, um, could you, could you help us out with that? Yeah. So, uh, the animal realm, both in the seen world, our physical world and in the unseen realms, animals come to us to be our allies, our spiritual support system, our guides, our brothers and sisters. Um, but you know, it's really up to us to take notice of when a certain animal is trying to get our attention. And so some of the examples of how they try to get our attention is, you know, the example that I just shared with a a shaman guiding, a trusted shaman guiding a shamanic journey to call your power animal helpers forward and getting to know them there. Um, Oftentimes they will also come to you during your dreams or in everyday waking life. uh, You might 
you know, come across a ton of ladybugs. Like all of a sudden you walk out of your door and there's never been a ladybug on the brick wall outside of your door, but one day you go out and there's five of them. And then when you call a friend, she mentions ladybugs. And then you open up a magazine and you see ladybugs. That's one example. This is the story of my life, by the way, because I see ladybugs. I love ladybugs (laughs) and I see them wherever, wherever humanly possible. Uh, What what is the ladybug message, by the way? Oh man, there's... Yeah, there's so many beautiful teachings with Ladybug. Um, One of the main ones is releasing worry Mm. and uh, being in a place of receiving in a lot of additional good fortune and blessings that are trying to make their way in and also uh, a symbol of connection into higher consciousness. Those are some of the main keyword attributes of the Ladybug. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I always think of them as little jewels, you know, they're like little cosmic jewels. Totally. Rubies, um, intelligent rubies. Um, Gosh, it's, it's so fascinating to me because this, okay, so my, you know, my background is kind of academic, analytic, and I've been on all sorts of sort of uh, more more shamanic deep dives. And I'm very interested in, in the imagination and how we can, create. And um, I wonder with animal medicine, how are we, if we close our eyes and, okay, so we do, we go to a circle and there's a shaman and we're told that, you know, when the drumming starts, we're going to meet our, meet an animal. Our imagination is already going in that direction, isn't it? It's already going animal, animal, animal. And are we conjuring the animal? Is the animal visiting us because we're creating that space? Is it both? How does this whole thing work? Yeah, I mean, it is hard to put into human words. Um, Any genuine shaman that's, you know, truly connected to the divine and creating a a true safe space to guide people into other realms of, of consciousness uh, until you experience it and kind of get out of your own way of letting the human mind, um, you know, doubt or, or question and, and things like that. Not that you shouldn't ever doubt or question, mm-hmm. but unless you have voyaged in this way, it's really hard to put into human words, uh, what the experience feels like or, or looks like. But, uh, for my, I can only speak to, to my work. I I don't know about, you know, many other shamans and, and how they guide, uh, animal journeys, but yeah, I use my, my drum and my rattle and, uh, there's a lot of processes that take place before I just start doing the drumming. Uh, I, I tune in before the journey to really ask, uh, you know, is it if it's one person or a group? I mean, I've guided some of these journeys for more than 10,000 people at one time. And so each situation is very different in terms of um, what does this person or group need uh, before we get to the journey to get to a place where they're in their hearts and they're not in their monkey mind and they're not in their ego and they're not in the resistance of like, you know, or or in a place where they want to disbelieve. It's like, I want to get people into a place where they can tell they're being held in a safe, sacred space and they can let go and surrender. And typically that equates to getting them into their heart. So there's uh, different energetic spiritual processes that I do beforehand to let people let go. 
And then I will start to do the, the drumming or the rattling. And I speak, I guide people. Um, you know, there's different realms that I take folks to, but one of my favorite places is, uh, we start in a desert, you know, go to a tree and then that tree becomes the portal to the different world or realm. And once we get into the other realm, I guide them into a jungle. And then that's where, you know, it's, it's not a like boom in your face process. Once we get into the jungle, we start to connect with the energy there of that Mm -hmm. portal of that place and start to, to walk alongside the river and like invite the, the water medicine in. And, and there's a lot of, um, intricacies involved to get a person to where they're in the place in the jungle and taking a seat to the point where we're actually calling the animal forward. So yeah, the animal, um, the power animal in that different realm of consciousness is absolutely coming forward to you. Sometimes, you know, more than not, um, the animal will come and, you know, the person can make eye contact and hug and speak to the animal and receive uh, medicine blessings, sometimes in the form of a bite. You know, all of that thing, all of those things can happen. Sometimes during a journey, a person can see like the animal's eyes and it will just stay though, like more in the corner of the jungle and won't fully reveal. And there's all sorts of different processes um, that can come up and happen in a journey but, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the best way that I can describe what I do. Mm, no, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're reminding me of actually of, of how I found you. I stumbled across your book and I thought, oh, how wonderful. And then I, you know, went, went down one of the, the Alice and Charles rabbit holes on the internet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are many. And, um, I found myself doing your meditation. One of your meditations, um, was a meet meter. Um, an animal guide or a power animal meditation. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really struck by the specificity of, um, this, this animal that appeared and, and I'm still struggling with, um, the name of this animal, but it, it, mm-hmm. I thought it looked like a, it was a bison or a buffalo. It was dark black with horns, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a, a black cow with its head sort of slanting down and these, horns and I kept meeting it and it was like and there was a part of my mind going like no this is not my animal but it was my animal (laughs) coming up and then I I looked it up and it was hard for me to find this specific animal because I looked up I think it was bison and they have those like woolly heads Mm -hmm. I was like no my animal was not didn't have a woolly head you know it had a, a shiny head and and um eventually I found this very specific creature and then that led me to a whole other world of information. Um, so it was a really lovely kind of adventure. So thank mm-hmm. you, first of all, for your, for your meditation. Um, and also, and your guidance, I, I just thought it's so fascinating how whenever I've been in that space, it just seems very, very specific. That animal does seem to have, uh, a life of its own. Um, and it does feel like a, a visitation and a, and a gift. And, um, obviously us becoming receptive is very much part of that. So I suppose that there is a, there is a kind of co-creation element. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if right now the, the voices of animals are getting louder because of where the planet is. Do you feel like they're trying to reach us more now? Hmm. Let me tune in to how I feel about that one second. I mean, the answer that came in right away was that 
you know, they've always been very present. Um, and one thing that, you know, is interesting about the power animal guides, uh, as opposed to other guides that I work with, like certain ascended masters or archangels, the animals do tend to very much appreciate a leaning in on our part and an invitation as some sort of an acknowledgement on our end of like, I see you. Thank you. I would like to open up this connection line even further. Um, so there's that at play, which I always like to let people know. But the, the answer that came in is that they've always been here and they've always been very communicative in a lot of ways. I think it feels more like what's happening is um, there's just so many people that are having varying levels, degrees of awakenings. And a, a level of an awakening can be someone, like even I'm, I'm seeing a lot of young people on TikTok, let's say 17, 18 years old, where maybe walking the spiritual path isn't something that they do um, yet, but I see them expressing, you know, with so much passion and oftentimes tears like, there's just something off about this earth life that it doesn't make sense to them that they're supposed to clock in for all of these hours every day to a job that they don't like. And like, how is it that we incarnate on this magnificent planet and all they want to do is explore it, but they feel like they have to go and live a certain way. And, and I'm just seeing that so often and it's really a beautiful process for me to witness. Of course, I, I hope that they find their way with as much grace and ease as possible. But while it may not be a divine intervention awakening like I had, that's so clearly their soul intelligence, you know, their, their soul trying to communicate with them of like, there is a different way than this um, model of living that a lot of us have been told is like, is the way or the only way. So my point is, you know, people I think are just on a conscious or still bit of an unconscious level right now, waking up more and more and more every day to leaning in and being more receptive and open to the possibilities that animals really are our spiritual teachers and guides. Um, so it's not that the animals weren't there or weren't being vocal or weren't being present. I think it's more people are just finally feeling that true place in their low belly of like, wow, this resonates. This feels like truth. And this other way of earth life doesn't. And that kind of dynamic. Yeah, I get that. It's part of a, a bigger awakening yeah. that's happening. Yeah. So uh, do you have any practical tips for people who are in sort of early stages? Of course, as you mentioned, there are so many shades of of awakening and it's a very individual process, but mm -hmm. do you have any, any guidance on that? Hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And, um, you hit the nail on the head. Yes. It's <laughs> so nuanced and so, uh, so unique in every, every single person's case, uh, how the path begins to open up for them. And if they decide to fully walk across that threshold and keep going, or if they want to turn back around and go back the other way, you know, there's so many, uh, details to it. But one tip that I give that was the biggest life changer for me, um, of course, like I've said, you know, my awakening came from 
an intervening of my spiritual guides. But the next step that I took that I do give myself credit for was my decision to surrender. And it was in, you know, the veil lifting for me and me seeing all of those hard um, aspects about myself to face that I realized that I, I needed to face myself a lot more and do a lot of deep healing work. And so I finally decided to get out of my own way is essentially how I can describe surrender. And I did speak out loud to Great Spirit, to Great Mother Earth, and to my own soul. And I expressed my readiness to get out of my own way. I acknowledged that I did not know what I was doing and that I was ready to really receive in their support. And in a course I used to offer, I one of the nine shamanic journeys was one all around surrender. And I offered a surrender statement for those, of course, that, that resonated with and they wanted to lean into that process that it was available to them. But you can come up with your own surrender statement. You know, whoever you work with and speak to, whether it's God, goddess, universe, source, the cosmos, you know, whoever your place is. And I, of course, recommend sitting in some sort of a sacred place, even if it's an altar in your own home that just has a candle and some other sacred object that um, helps you remember who you truly are. And once you feel in connection to your own heart, just expressing, I recommend out loud, it doesn't have to be, but you can do it inwardly or outwardly expressing your readiness to divine and to great mother earth that you really want to work in harmony and in a co-creative space with them. And then the next important step to all of that is to heed the guidance that comes in um, because the messages and the support, you will start to be more aware of it. Um, but again, you've got two options. You can pretend that you didn't hear the whisper from the wind or that nudge from source for you to go into a place that you weren't planning to go or whatever it might be. You can either ignore it or you can listen to it and follow what I call the divine connect the dots. And the last little thing I'll share with that is oftentimes, especially initially, uh, the signs that come in may feel very illogical or strange or weird and make you question like, but that doesn't make sense. And that's kind of by divine design. So you can begin to cultivate a trust within your own self, a trust of your connection to your intuition and a trust to um, divine and the messages they're sending. So if you feel something as odd as that, that something might feel, you know, follow it and see see where the breadcrumbs take you. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all for following breadcrumbs. Um, you know, what's coming up for me as I as you talk about surrender, which I think is a really important concept and a hard one and and something I've really grappled with and continue to. Um it's really, yeah, this this opening up to this idea of I really don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. None of us actually know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really don't know. This is <laughs> this is the fucking cosmic joke. Yeah. I don't know. I can't do this alone. And not only that, you know, but I I actively need hmm. help and support. I mm -hmm. actively need it. I look for it. I embrace it, <laughs> please. Um, and I think that's so. It's so. Um, gosh, it's so. Uh, against everything we've been sort of taught, you know, which is in, in this kind of rugged individualism that we were sort of raised in, you know, we're supposed to 
prove ourselves and and kind of do it alone and pull it off and it's like what it what is this it that we're supposed to all be you know um manifesting again it's quite interesting when we look at those words like pulling it off um it's it's a kind of otherized position there's it's the no there there of, of life you know so uh so okay so if it's not it then it's this and what is this and then this is like wow i mean the great mystery <laughs> yeah the, the exactly this great great mystery this great unfolding this opening versus proving and yes and then we're in this world of of oh symbol signs i mean i personally call it the world of fruit and flowers so i'm mm. i sort of um default world is you know it's, it's like skyscraper world and then mm-hmm. uh future world to me is the world of fruit and flowers so it's it's to mm. me what that means is sort of um following feeling following beauty mm. following truth on a work you know in t- in a sort of embodied way so that's more like what do i find yummy and delicious and connected and feels mm-hmm. kind of yeah it's sort of like what what feels true and good and and delicious so that's my sort of little version of it but but yeah so when we're in this world of sort of starting to um listen and navigate in a different way mm-hmm. then we're looking at at signs so this is interesting and how do we do do we need to know like where voices are coming from we might have a voice saying you know you must you know quit your job (laughs) who do we need to know where that voice comes from do we trust that that's higher self it could it be the devil on the shoulder could it be the old you know old uh uncle jack who always you know Mm. wanted you to who was a disruptor could it i mean it it's do we need to know like how do we navigate this stuff yeah i mean that's a whole whole massive aspect of the spiritual path of the hero's journey is is that one category that you're describing and oh my god I, as i'm tuning in there's there's so many layers to it but that the main word that's coming in is that discernment piece and of course in a world of infinite possibilities like it would be possible for you have your awakening and all of a sudden your discernment light switch just gets flicked on and you are dialed in. But more often than not, really tuning into that discernment light switch takes a lot of practice. And that's where I think we really have to give ourselves and others a lot of as much grace and compassion. You know, to me, there's a big difference uh, between uh, somebody who is really willing and like really goes for facing themselves and really goes for the for the uncomfortable, nitty gritty, challenging work that comes up when you're on the spiritual path, and they're giving it their all, but maybe in the process of learning about how their gifts work or learning how the divine works for them, you know, they might hit a few bumps along the way. There's, there's that, which to me is beautiful. And, and that's, that is the path. Uh, It's earth school, you know, we're here to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's the other side of someone's just too, too scared to face 
uh, things and, and they just are in a total place of resistance of making the unconscious conscious. And, you know, it, it does begin to create problems when someone is so steadfast against facing their own uh, blind spots and facing their own shadows and, and doing what I like to describe as cleaning up their own side of the street um, that's where things get a bit wonky, but as long as someone is willing, you know, to put in the work, um, sometimes, you know, you'll quote unquote, make a mistake and there will be additional learning of like, oh, my radar was off a little bit there. I thought that was my intuition, but that was actually fear. But in that process of being at least willing and trying your muscle for being able to clearly understand what's coming from where strengthens. Um, and I do feel it's a very important part of the path. Like I know when I'm connecting in, I know when I'm calling upon Ascended Master Jesus or the animals or um, when my grandpa from the other side has come forward or, or different people from the other side or when I'm speaking directly to Great Mother Earth, um, I'm, I'm very aware of who I am communicating with. And I do think that's important. First of all, I love this idea of earth school. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything that, that is implied, including the, the humility of that, the idea of, you know, the, the, the ground and the humility um, of, of the earth itself. And um, gosh, so, so you channel Mother Earth. Do you, does she come to you? Do you invite her in? How does that work? Yeah, I, I commune with her and I talk to her. Um, I I don't know that I I necessarily channel her, but I hear her messages and when she instructs me to relay what she's saying um, in an event or in a talk, of course I say you know that it's from her and and I impart the message to the group. But um, it's for me, you know, oftentimes a lot, a lot of ways to do uh, this methodology. It's very, very simple and, and it should be, it doesn't need to be complex. Um, I sit at my altar every morning and make sure that my vertical line connection points are all in place. So for me, it's sending my earthing grounding cord from my root chakra, from the base of my, my spine and tailbone down into great mother earth. And upon connecting with her, um, as I see my earthing grounding cord going down, you know, I, I take a moment to say hello, to acknowledge her, to, to thank her. And, and sometimes, um, my grounding cord will just lock right into a particular place. Sometimes my cord will kind of navigate around and go through different areas of different types of sedimentary or crystals. And I know that I'm supposed to receive some sort of a code or medicine from that area. Sometimes I might pause in that area and talk to the emerald crystal and ask like, you know, why, why was I pulled over here today? Um, sometimes I'll just receive the transmission and keep going. Sometimes I'll decide to go and the alive molten uh, center core of her. Uh, a lot of times I prefer to go to the complete underside, the underbelly of her and like an anchor, latch on so that I am fully connected, you know, all the way down and through. So I know that I'm as, as landed and grounded and connected to her as possible. And I mean, the communication is, is, just as simple and easy and quick as it is in my conversation with you. It's in real time. Um, 
I hear her, I feel her. If I ask if there are certain uh, blessings or, or medicines that she wishes to send to me, you know, I'll, I'll just sit in silence. And sometimes I feel them very clearly. Sometimes they're more gentle. Uh, but once I feel that process complete, the two other important points are my heart. So I run that connection line and make sure I'm centered in my heart intelligence for the day. And then my cosmic line directly into the center of source. And it's a very similar process of tracking that cord up, feeling the clicking and connecting in. Sometimes the Ascended Master Jesus is waiting there to have a little chat with me or other guides are there. Sometimes I'm just in source field and I'll just marinate in that for a second, give an honoring thank you. But that vertical line is actually where the name rock star shaman comes from as being connected into rock, great mother earth and the star cosmos, um, great spirit field. And the shamanic part is the path of the heart. So that, that vertical line is where I live my life from. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that description. That was wonderful. Um, is this something we can all do at home? Yes, for sure. <laughs> I mean, highly recommend it. You know, are we all baby shamans? Yeah, we all have shamanic truths and wisdoms encoded inside of us. I think the only differentiating factor is some of us are encoded to where the shamanic uh, medicine is uh, dominant in a way where we are instructed to be of service and to yeah. um, express those wisdoms in a way of holding space for others or facilitating awarenesses, um, awareness finding for others and other people um, while we all have, yeah, the shamanic truths and energies inside of us, others might just be more guided to immersing in and experiencing shamanic traditions, but don't have the call that they are to become at one um, with the shamanic path and to mm -hmm. be public with it and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find the uh, these words problematic, sh being a shaman or being mm. a medicine woman? And how should we understand that mm. and talk about these things? Yeah, no, I'm actually really glad you brought this up. I don't feel it's problematic, but it's an area that is important to talk about and to hold an honoring um, place of non-judgment when learning how every you know, shaman's path works because we are all different. There are no two healers and no two shamans alike on this entire planet. And so I have a lot of shamanic colleagues who also have been given the clear instruction to use that title. Um, Marie Mbuni being one of them, Eagle Woman being one of them. And I have interviewed them both on my podcast to hear and for them to express how that came in for them. I also have many shamanic colleagues who absolutely do not feel that they were given the instruction to use that title. Um, some may use shamanic practitioners. Some do not use a shamanic term at all. And I know that they are shamans. They know that they are, and they don't use the terminology at all. And it's, you know, for me, I, I know my truth and I know my assignments and I know I'm good within myself in terms of knowing that me using the title is not about ego 
And it's all about me answering the instruction I was given to hold that space as a woman shaman. I am to hold that line. I am to hold that space. And for those willing to be open and remember, bring them back to the ancient remembrance that the first shamans on the planet were women. And historically, uh, when you look back, uh, in a lot of different villages and tribes, the, the main medicine women, the main medicine people were women. And yeah, we, yeah. well, I've just I'm, gotten I'm, far away from that, that remembrance. Sorry to cut you off. Was that where you wanted to go? Was the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we can go there. Let me just make sure because it's so nuanced and there are so many yeah. misunderstandings around this. Um, let me just make sure there wasn't any other little thing before we, if we want to pause in that area, we can just one second. <clears throat> I, I think the only other thing is I will say, you know, when I was given that instruction, it was not something I took lightly. And it was honestly something that I could feel the gravity around. I could feel the boldness and I could feel the big medicine in. And I did a lot of um, inner work to ensure uh, that I was in connection with divine and answering that, that instruction to use that title. And it wasn't coming from, you know, another place inside of me. Yeah, I, and I can I can feel that in your incredibly forthright energy, and it's not just calling yourself a shaman; it's calling yourself rock star shaman. You want to talk about being bold in your statement about yourself, and this is very interesting. Um, and I'm wondering, and I'm maybe even assuming a little bit that this may be part of your particular medicine. Do you feel like that's one of the the messages that you're sharing? Is yes. for people to be bold. <laughs> It's It's been a very medicinal journey, you know, um, because that specific medicine name of Rockstar Shaman came in very early on after my awakening. And as I mentioned, especially with that name specifically, I went into a guided shamanic journey and called my main love and light guide, Ascended Master Jesus Ford, and asked him, you know, is this a Vigo or am I to really use this name? Because I could feel how big it was. Yeah. And he was emphatic, you know, that this is this is why I'm here. And it's been a voyage, trust me, of over about a decade now of, you know, I was at a place where I, I didn't want to use it. And I changed my Instagram handle from at Rockstar Shaman to at I am Allison Charles. And there were times <laughs> in my path where I was trying uh -huh. to eliminate it and make it go away and make it be more of an AKA. And then it would slowly just dissolve. And it would just, I am, I am still to hold that name. And if, if, and when the time comes where I'm instructed that that name and the medicine it was supposed to share has run its course, fine, I will cease using it. Um, but yes, it is to, I, I really learn that I've also been instructed to be an educator in the space. And that was another area that I really resisted because it's a big responsibility and it's a very, it's over sensitive subject matter. And, um, and that education piece, one of the pillars that comes with that and the name Rockstar Shaman is bringing people back to an understanding that it's every living being's birthright to learn how to honor and commune with the very planet that we live on and to learn how to commune with and honor the unseen realms. 
and to be in that place of of oneness and co-creation that we've been talking about this whole interview. The other important piece to that in terms of honor, though, and this is where it can get very sensitive, is... Um, you know, while my shamanic path works from great mother earth and great spirit, and I, d- I haven't taken sacred oaths of certain earth-based traditions and cultures, there is that other side of it, of making sure that we are being honoring and acknowledging indigenous peoples and first nations. They were the first people to answer the shamanic call. And a lot of them have been incredibly brave in holding sacred truths and wisdoms for hundreds or thousands of years. And, you know, for a lot of them, it's not been easy to um, maintain the aliveness of those sacred practices. So while I don't adhere to a a particular uh, lineage that's earth-based, I still always, and I do feel it's important for any shaman or shamanic practitioner to acknowledge, uh, you know, the fact that we those of us especially that do this work publicly, we're very fortunate um, to be in this place because a lot of them still to this day, their sacred practices are are still illegal. So there's a lot mm. to all of this. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot at your back. Yeah. Right? There's, a, there's a lot of, of, of support and, and wind and, and grace. And yeah, you, you've definitely been gifted. And with that, there is a there is a responsibility. I see that there's, there's, there's a big piece of, of sort of machinery that you're, that you're navigating. And I, mm-hmm. I respect that. Um, you know, my equivalent is banana in, in, uh, in came that image, you know, when I was maybe eight years old as a name and it was a joke and it was a, it was a story and it was a fun thing to share with friends, but it never left. And over time, and this is this is not animal medicine. This is this is fruit medicine. But hey, um, it's this symbol has had a very interesting, um, powerful, ongoing sort of unfolding, unpeeling for me um, as a symbol of sort of of juiciness, embodiment, sexuality. Mm-hmm intrigue and silliness which is actually you know that's a lot of my sort of sacred path is is the fall and silliness and questioning Mm. and the unlearning and the unknowing and Mm. um unpeeling and revealing and uh it's so interesting what ends up being sacred you know in life it's just it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily back to you know unlearning and it's not what you think um you know, I'm finding more and more meaning following these um, very personal symbols mm-hmm. because they have real juice and they have real aliveness in them. And uh, I feel that that connects very deeply with our, our dreams. And I feel like, you know, my um, my medicine journeys have led me back to my own personal dreams and my own personal symbols and my own personal truths. And mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so moved by the fact that, you know, dreams, I really feel that they don't, they don't actually die. And I think that we, we kind of try and cover them up as we go through life through disappointment and, you know, this happens and this happens and I can't probably do this and I can't do that. And yet under these, you know, these piles of earth that we've been putting on top of them buried Mm. under that, these dreams are still are still alive. And I think we, we're, we're gifted with dreams, each one of us, like these little seeds that are 
sewn into our being. And and I love that we have this sort of possible adventure of, of finding out what what each of these mm-hmm. dreams really holds, because this is our personal kind of personal fuel. Um, and this is renewable personal fuel. It's it's not from the outside going back to the beginning of the interview where you're, you know, you're looking, you're looking to the lover, you're looking to the guy, you're looking to the husband, you're looking to whoever the job um, to to give it to you. This is a different way of understanding. It's like, oh, we already have it. We have it inside us. And and as you're helping us see, we have it all around us. We have it through, you know, any any number of guides. Mm-hmm. They're they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you know, if we take the time to slow down and and reach out through through intention. So what an amazing world of exploration. And you know, I'd like to spend more time with you sometime so we can can go deeper and further. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'd like to do today uh, is wrap up by talking about what your greatest challenges are, or your greatest challenge, hopefully it's just one, in the work that you do, mm. and um, your your greatest hope for the future. Mm. So the greatest challenge within my work? Is yes. that what you asked? Okay. Yes. Let me tune in to see what... Hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah, a couple came in. So let me see which one to say. Mm. I mean, I, I think I already started to touch and share on what perhaps is maybe the, um, the biggest challenge is, is just, yeah, being instructed to be an educator in the space because it, it is very different. Um, like when I was for many years while I was living in New York City, you know, instructed to guide a lot of shamanic events and journeys. And um, the, that is very different. Immersing people in experiences is one thing. And then being asked to step up as an educator in the space is another. Um, so I think that really stopping resisting and stepping into that that assignment has been uh probably the biggest uh challenge to overcome and provided the most fires that I had to walk through but since I already touched quite a bit on that the last little other nugget that I'll express that has been challenging is I'm I'm very much a seer S E E R and so I just see so much, especially within others. Um, even though I'm not invasive with my gifts, it's just that gift is so strong in me that, um, I just am so aware of people's, especially their blind spots, um, their shadows, where they're holding themselves back, limitations that they're just like clinging to and just different dysfunctions within them that keep them from being in alignment with their wholeness and divinity. And so that has been um, very challenging to navigate. Um, thankfully, more people are are letting themselves uh, do that level of, of work in terms of facing things. Um, but to be aware of so much and to see so much and m- oftentimes not having an outlet um, because I can tell that someone is not in a place of readiness to hear what I have 
picked up mm-hmm. on about them. It could cause more damage than good if I were to share it. It's just, it's a big space to hold for people. And I've had to learn how to like get it out of my system. So I'm not carrying um, things that aren't mine to carry. So it, I wouldn't change it. I like to always make sure that that's clear, you know, to, to source in my own being. I, I, it's, it's a miraculous gift to have. Um, but I become aware of a lot of things that play energetically that most people don't see or feel at all. I hear you. Okay. And then my greatest hope for the world. Sure. And you can go personal as well. You're allowed to be. Mm, Okay. Let's see. Well, as cliche as it might sound and is like, oh, that's the answer as it might sound, it's all about the heart space. And I had a really beautiful realization in a ceremony a week or two ago where I felt um, my heart expanding and expressing in a way that felt very new. And it was a little confronting at first because I thought, my gosh, like I know that my heart is is very, very open and has a very strong resonance, but what is this whole other thing? And essentially, um, it was my heart was expanding me into what I now call the heart beyond the heart space and to these what were previous um, ghost chambers of my heart that I didn't even know existed. And so even though I've been on the path of the heart as a shaman for many, many years and lifetimes, it was so beautiful for me to realize there's even more. There's even more heart space to open up to. And so I think my greatest hope right now is for people to not discredit, you know, the the wisdom of the heart and um, to really, of course, you know, you can't force anyone to do anything, but if it resonates in any level, start to commit to practices, rituals, methods, ceremonies that turn you back to you, that heal, cleanse, clear, transmute, do whatever your heart is beckoning to have done for it so that you can unite with it and and really be in tune with the guidance system that lives there. Because if we are united with our own hearts and we know ourselves in full and in true, that allows us to hold a place of compassion and non-judgment for others uh, who want to get to know themselves um, and, and, and all truths as well. And I just, I think now more than ever, living in that way is is just so vital to be in a place of openness and um, non-judgment and to commit, to make a personal commitment to cleaning up our own side of our street. And uh, in doing so, you can't uh, avoid doing the work of the heart. So uh, tuning in right now or when this interview is done and asking your own heart, you know, what does that look like for me? What does that look like for us? What, what practice or what do you need to, to do my beautiful heart to feel in safety, to feel more healed, to feel more whole, whatever it is for you, have an own, have your own dialogue with your heart and allow it to show you um, what next step you can take to, to tend to it. Uh-huh. 
Uh I love your message. This is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And tell us where we can find you best. Okay. The best place is my website. I spell Allison, or I guess my parents spelled Allison, um, A-L-Y-S-O-N. So it's a little bit of a different spelling. AllisonCharles.com backslash animal power. That takes you to my website where you um, can have various options for where to get animal power book. And if you do that, then you can get emailed the free video guided shamanic journey where I facilitate for you to do what we talked about, uh, to go into the different realm and call your current power animal forward. So if you're wanting to learn how to work with the realms, uh, you can do it. And uh, so, yeah, you can do that at my website and then Instagram. I'm still, I guess, most active there on social media. And that's at I am Allison Charles. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Banana Jane. It's been really (laughs) good getting to know you. And I love that I had no idea that Banana Jane was a medicine name for you. And I loved um, expanding into a greater understanding of of how that's functioned in your path, in your life. And yeah, it was beautiful to, to connect with you more today. Thanks for having me on. Likewise. Sending you love. You too. Bye, Danny. Bye. Gosh, Alison's message about opening up the chambers of the heart, about finding these ghost chambers of the heart, this untapped possibility within our own hearts really speaks to me. Um, Sending out love and light and I'll catch you for the next one. 